let's go Pete. Let's go Pete. I mean, I mean, I mean, um, go Bruins. Go, go, go Bruins. You know, because it's locked on UCLA. You are locked on UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson. Yoxheimer, thanks for making this your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast and available on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, review. Thank you for your support. It's it's busy. It's been a little quiet in the portal, but there still has been some movement as who's the Bruins are going after. Another coach leaves. The Bruins basketball team has a big game against Nova coming up pretty shortly. And then UCLA women's hoops dominated. we got to show some love to them as well because Kiki Rice, do you love me? She loves basketball because she's absolutely dominant. Sorry for taking a couple days off. Busy times, craziness going around the life. But let's get right to it. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix, pricepix.com slash LockedOnCollege. Use the code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's get to it. Why was I saying, let's go pee? Let's go pee. Well, if you have any chance to do the Austin P chance, let's go pee, then you're going to do it. So why not? I know it's locked on UCLA, but why not? What? Why is it relevant? Why would you say is it relevant, Zach? Well, it's relevant because their tight ends coach, the UCLA tight ends coach, used to be a coach at Duke, co-offensive coordinator there, came to UCLA, goes back to his home state of Tennessee, and will be the a young head coach at Austin P. as he is their 22nd head coach in their football history. So UCLA now has currently three positions to fill, right? It's defensive coordinator. It's the likes of filling their QB coach and now tight ends coach. So two offensive coaches and one big spot defensively. Now there's been rumors you've been re- I've read between maybe you you bump up Ken Niumatalolo and he's been out maybe recruiting. I think I've seen where he could be someone that is going to just get moved from behind the scenes, take a year off, breathe, and get back into the coaching ranks officially really in the, the coaching side of things after more, being more of a director of leadership for the UCLA program. They do need a QBs coach. I mean, hey, heck, a former UCLA quarterback, Jerry Neuheisel, is the receivers coach. Maybe you just flip jobs around, add some titles, and just hire more analysts. But UCLA has lost Jeff Ferris, who is someone that, you know, a tight ends coach is one thing, but it's just they're starting to stack up the coaching vacancies and whether you're going to go with Ken Norton Jr. and just add the defensive coordinator title to his his name, and then you just need a new defensive coach, new defensive analyst, that's something you could do. There's many ways UCLA can go after it, but they're going after it hard in the recruiting cycle. Because the other big news is earlier in the day on December 9th, it's reported, I believe by 24-7 Sports, and then now it's going around, I saw it also on ESPN, where Dylan Gabriel, is going to Oregon. They say, hey, we're not going to go develop young talent. We're going to go from Bo Nix to Dylan Gabriel for a year. And when I reported, does UCLA have a chance? I think maybe after the decommitment and after seeing what's going on with UCLA, he was probably a little less than enthused with how things went on. Now I wonder, would Gabriel have looked at UCLA a little harder 
if Oregon was not going to the Big Ten? Is that something that could have been going in his mind if UCLA wins a game or more? If they don't just lose that Cal game and still Dante goes in the portal, it's just a much different vibe going into the offseason. I don't know. There's just so many different things. Maybe if Oklahoma actually doesn't fail down the stretch and they make it to the Big 12 championship game, he's like, all right. But he decides to go to Oregon and UCLA. It was already unlikely considering Jeff Levy went to Mississippi State. He could have gone there. He was visiting Oregon, and they wrapped things up just like that because they want to get the recruiting cycle in, and Dan Lanning's going to go try to make a super team in Oregon to go compete in the Big Ten. For UCLA, now you turn the page. Is it you bring home a SoCal native in DJU? Is that the uh, somewhere he's going to come down to former Pac-12 rival UCLA and you get something there? Do you go after Grayson McCall? Do you go after other dual-threat quarterbacks? Dil- uh, Dylan Gabriel was certainly the most talented, I think, available. But you can go after DJU, get something serviceable. You can go after the likes of a, a number of quarterbacks that we might not see. Or you develop in-house for once and just keep what you have for a year and wait for the other quarterbacks to be ready to take the mantle in 2025 which is a long ways away from now with what I think to be a favorable Big Ten schedule in 24. It's just unfortunate that everything's crumbling beforehand. So Gabriel's out of the question. That means the McCall's of the world, the DJU's of the world, and many other quarterbacks that are in the portal that might, might not even be on our radar right now. The Bruins could go after it, or maybe you stick with the Garber-Schley combo and just go after that for a full offseason, knowing that's what you're going to go. Or someone like a Gordon or Justin Martin, right? You just develop and develop cr- insanely and work on getting the offensive line shored up because you've got talent on the outside and they're trying to shore up more. What do you do with that to build this into a, a more con- contended roster, right? Something that can be a bit more fun. So I was looking at who the Bruins are going after, right? They've got to fill the, the safeties, spot right they have basically no safeties they do have one on the roster believes rj jones and it's a team that is depleted in the secondary absolutely depleted right because you already have lost two seniors you lost nimmo you lost kamari ramsey's in the portal so you lost someone who probably could have stepped up got more time you got ramsey who's either gonna get a big pay check nil wise or just not happy with the situation at UCLA, especially with Danton Lynn going across town. Either way, maybe he's going to get the bag. The Bruins are stuck. And whoever is available at the portal, UCLA will be like, hey, this could be an upgrade from your current situation. And we've got nobody there. So you're probably going to start. You could start. Absolutely could start. Because we've got nobody there to contend. It's like going to the portal for basketball. Hey, we need a point guard because we have no point guard. So at the moment, you have an easy shot. That's an easy sell, I would hope. Harder that you have no D coordinator at the moment officially that we know of. But for now, UCLA looking at like a a Jace Oliver, reported by Greg Biggins out of Tulsa, already took it, is going to work on an official visit over this current weekend. Can UCLA sell him? In the last reports I saw, he's got one year left. They've been looking at Jaron Sensabaugh. Like, they're going after these quarterbacks. He, he's a class of 24. Already took his official visit in the previous week in the class of 24. He's not a portal guy, but he'd be a guy to help fill the secondary for UCLA significantly. You've got 
Marcus Ratcliffe. You've got Drew as a party. Not all those guys are defensive guys. These are just guys, UCLA, whether it's a bro report, 24-7 sports, uh, Pete Thamel, the different guys, different reports that are coming out between the Gabriels, the Ferrises of the world, and all of these. The Bruins are important. Marcus Ratcliffe has high interest in the Bruins, according to Greg Biggins, and will take an official visit from San Diego State. That's someone who the Bruins are saying, hey, come, move up a little bit further north, and you'll be playing some big-time football. Even though the Mountain West will become the glorified Pac-2, 12, West, Mountain, something. The Mountain 2. I don't know what they're going to call it. In the scheduling alliance, I think Oregon State and Washington State is going to have the Mountain West in the next year. So the Bruins are going after the offensive linemen, right? As I said, Drew, as a party, you've got Marcus Ratcliffe, Jaron Sensabot, Jace Oliver, and I haven't seen any commitments in the last 24 hours that would have changed any of those things. But those are guys who are currently taking visits, and the Bruins are trying to either sway their opinion at the last moment after the, the exodus players-wise, coaches-wise, at specific positions. They're just trying to upgrade. If you upgrade the pass blocking of the offensive line, then this team could look even better, right? What if the quarterback play wasn't entirely the problem? if it was just getting pass blocking down, because they were one of the worst teams in the country at keeping the quarterback upright. And maybe you gave Dante some, you know, the jitters, right? The David Carr jitters where he got sacked so many times, it just messed up with the beginning of his NFL career once he went to Houston Texans. When he get hit that many times as a youngster, that kind of ruins the development. For Garbers, he gets hurt. When it comes to Schley having to run the football, gets hurt. Of course, those are very different quarterbacks and different dynamics, but... If Garbers is getting hurt throwing the football and he's getting popped every week and Dante was getting popped when he was a Bruin, right? Regardless who was there, they were allowing nasty sacks. Even the NC Central guys were just getting popped in the backfield. And that, that just could be happening to any level of football. They ran the ball just fine, it seemed like. But when they needed to protect on third and 15, a house splits and nothing was going to get solved. They could not throw a bubble screen. They couldn't throw a little crossing route underneath to get 10, 15 yards. There just wasn't time to pick up blitzes, to pick up pass. They just could not handle pressure when it was coming. Even if they knew it was coming, the Bruins couldn't do it, which is why the offensive line is a supreme, supreme point of emphasis. They've already gone after it in the class of 24, even with one decommitment on the offensive line, but going after the portal again, hopefully guessing right, getting guys who can start right away and then filling the secondary immediately, keeping a Dunbar-Hawkins, keeping top recruits like a Jameer Benjamin, who's already committed those two, making sure they sign, making sure they don't change their mind one more time or a single time is important. But the Bruins are hosting a lot of official visits over the weekend. We might start to see a lot more commitments coming in, which can shore up the, the roster defensively, the offensive line. And then, hey, even the Bruins are going after another receiver Tobias Merriweather, I already reported about another transfer receiver from Notre Dame. But they're looking at a, a youngster from Washington, Tobias Merriweather, who the Bruins were looking at, I believe, from Bro Report, talking about, hey, UCLA is going after a key amount of former Notre Dame receivers, going after the secondary, shoring up the talent in the receiver room, because Keegan Jones technically a receiver. So they lost two of those, almost the entire safeties room. And then they want to make the offensive line even better than it was this year. That's what's got to happen for UCLA to be a good, decent team in 2024, which is coming up sooner than we realize.
but things are happening. Expect more commitments to come barely soon for UCLA. Maybe not the eye-popping Dante to LA that we got in 22, but something that we're hoping for that can shift the narrative heading into the offseason, deeper in the offseason, after the bowl game against Boise State, that can shape our narrative once and twice, right? Make it a little bit better. Next, I'm going to briefly preview the UCLA Nova game, and we'll, we'll have a reaction to that as well. Briefly preview that. And then, hey, UCLA women's basketball dominating still. Talk about that next on Locked On UCLA. Now check out Prize Picks because they're one of the largest, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. All you got to do is you're not betting sharks or battling the likes of pros. It's just you against the numbers, more or less, on two to six player stat projections where you can watch the winnings roll in. Anything between pick combo projections between both football and basketball with the specials league, you can have a league created specifically for combo projections, two or more players from different sports and leagues, like LeBron and Travis Kelsey. Those are some of the hottest names in sports and across the, the, the Tavis-verse right now. You can get three-pointers made as receptions as a combo pick. Check that out. And you can compete, in a sense, looking at the community place. How do your entries stack up against some of the biggest names in the prize picks community? And hey, I think the biggest, baddest, awesomest thing when it comes to prize picks Injury insurance, right? You look at my, when I'm looking at daily fantasy sports, your own fantasy football team, right? Injuries just stack up and kill anything you try to do. Well, with prize picks, a reboot policy in the first half of a game and the player gets rebooted. The only daily fantasy sports platform to have an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use the code locked on college for first deposit match up to $100. Get prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use the code locked on college. Daily fantasy sports made easy. You know, on this show, you get a lot of in-depth analysis and hot takes, right? Well, let me give you my hottest take of the day. The best lineup in L.A. right now is the lineup of auto loans at Logix. They start off at the top with my favorites, the proven and dependable new and used vehicle loans. You can count on these guys to give you low rates and save you big-time bucks. Next up, they've got an exciting new rookie sensation in their electric vehicle loans with super low rates and flexible payment terms. Rounding out their lineup, they've got auto refinancing loans, and lease buyout loans. These guys, you can lower your monthly payments and get on the road to owning your car faster. Look, I know it's a hot take, but seriously, nobody can beat the lineup at Logix. Visit your local Logix branch right here in LA or surrounding areas and let one of their amazing team members help you. Or just apply online in minutes at logixbanking.com slash car. Again, that's L-O-G-I-X, logixbanking.com slash car. All right, segment two for Locked On UCLA. We're going to try to make this one short and sweet. Preview for Locked On UCLA's men's basketball game, right? Not Locked On UCLA, but UCLA men's basketball taking on Villanova. It's a unique game. Villanova doesn't have that that swagger they had under Jay Wright's Kyle Neptune, a younger head coach who's been in the system for a while, but things just haven't transitioned as the Wildcats would have liked. The Bruins are returning a home game they had a couple of years prior where the Bruins are down and won in overtime with one of their biggest non-conference wins of the year when they had the Juzangs, the Bernards, and the Tiger Campbells, and the Hawkinses of the world. They had that whole team coming back. That was a fun year. And Nova was still with Jay Ryan. Everything was going good and bad for whatever reason. But then it's been a little different the last year for the last for both teams. UCLA's been climbing. Villanova's been declining, missed the tournament. And they've had some weird losses, losing to Kansas State after blowing an overtime lead, blowing other leads. They had 
games slip under their fingertips in the Big Five Classic where they can't beat anybody within a five-mile radius. That's a joke, a literal joke. But they struggled and finished in the bottom of the Big Five Classic. They couldn't beat all those teams right near them. But UCLA is still going to have a tough time trying to beat this Wildcats team in Philly on the road in a tough environment where UCLA and all the other teams in the Pac-12, other than Arizona, have zero quad one wins. They're like, what, 0-15? Other than Arizona's win at Duke, who's now the number one team in the country? You're going to, the Bruins are going to have a tough time if they're not ready for this game against Nova, right? Nova's 6-4. and four. The Bruins will be without Bedeke. I've not seen any news about Sebastian Mack, but he might be a little limited with that toe. And I wonder how much energy Crone's going to have to yell at his players after being sick missing last game a week and a half off. The Bruins will be a little shorthanded. And unfortunately for UCLA, their last loss came against the team in Gonzaga where Anton Watson just lit them up, lit them up. Perfect shooting, basically. Couldn't miss a shot practically all night. 35, 32 points. And they're going against a redshirt senior in Eric Dixon from Pennsylvania who's 6'8", been around just like Watson, similar build, has the best three-point shooting numbers for this Wildcats team, 37%, about 38% for Dixon from beyond from downtown. This is a Nova team that shoot 32% from downtown. They don't really turn it over a lot. They don't turn it over like 20 times a game, closer to 10 times a game, which means they really value possessions. But if you let Dixon be a matchup nightmare, and with UCLA 6'8", 6'9", Ford and Bedeke missing, I wonder if that's going to mean a lot of Elon Fible coming to be super athletic and guard Dixon. That's something to look out for for the Bruins in this game. And if UCLA can't get rebounds, you might call this a wash because Nova will shoot their threes. They're going to make sure they take care of the basketball. This isn't the program of old like it had been in previous years, but Dixon reminds me of Watson potentially, the size he won't light it up shooting 10 threes a game, but he might make three for three and he could blow up because he averages the most points on this team, 14. And then there's Justin Moore, who is someone that is a leader for this Nova team, kind of up and down. And, and nobody else averages double figures outside of the Wildcats having four players with nine or more points, two of them in double figures. UCLA is still trying to come within themselves and grow and learn who they are to win this game. One, Bona's got to stay out of foul trouble because his athleticism can change this. Two, this might be a bigger example of the Elon Fible coming out party in terms of, hey, this is the block party. This is his defensive game. Will he get being undersized that matchup against Dixon? Will it be someone else? Who could it be? Who is going to guard what might be a bit of a matchup nightmare right now for UCLA in Dixon? How's that going to work? Does Cronin break out the zone we've been waiting to see? highly, highly unlikely. And the other thing for UCLA, Nova, not the best when it comes to allowing and guarding the three-point line. Opponents against Villanova are shooting 36% from three. So the Bruins, this is a game where it might live and die by the three, them making it. One, them guarding it. Two, them making it. The Bruins hitting it at a high clip. They don't need to make 15 to win this game 14. But seven for 11 is well within the reach if Nova hasn't guarded threes that much throughout this season so far. If the Bruins can hit it at a high clip, then all of a sudden the Bruins can get a nice win, a notch on their belt, 
and all of a sudden, hey, they got a, a big road win. I'm not convinced how good Nova is this year, although they've beaten North Carolina. They've beaten some bigger teams. They've got some unique wins. If you look at the Ken Palm, the net, and everything in between, it's still a big road win the Bruins need to get just to build confidence when you play the Maryland's later, when you go play Ohio State on the East Coast in a neutral site game coming up. All that can lead and build to something for UCL, who's a bit banged up, maybe a bit of a matchup nightmare, but the Bruins counteract with threes. They can erase anything they mess up defensively, the mistakes they may make, might make offensively. The great equalizer, as Cronin likes to say, everybody likes to say, the three-point shots. And that's where the Bruins can get it against a team that hasn't guarded it very well this season. They've lost four times in their first 10 games. They're supposed to be a top 15 team. They were a top 20 team very recently, and they've lost a couple. But doesn't mean it'll make it any easier for this young UCLA team who's got to face USC, who's coming, getting to full health pretty soon. A number one Arizona team. You got to play Maryland, who might be kicking and getting their stride this year by the time the end of December rolls around. Get some big wins and build momentum for Pac-12 play. The three-point shot and stopping Dixon. It's simple and easy to point to, hey, that guy's their leading scorer. He might do. But it, I think he reminds me of Anton Watson a little much. And he just devoured the Bruins in that game. I don't want to see that happen. But I see the similarities, the age, the, the, the older player who can hit a couple of timely threes, scores a lot of points, and UCLA's got to make sure that does not happen to them again, again. All right. Coming up next, we're talking UCLA women's hoops because, hey, they dominated CSUN, and we got more on them. They got to play Florida State. They got big games coming up, and they still got to play USC in this calendar year. Next on Locked On UCLA. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, and much, much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 120 million plus parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. Because with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guarantees fit. Only available to U.S. customers. All right, last segment for the Locked On UCLA podcast today. Hey, we're going to have a little reaction after Novo. We're going to be busy next week when it comes to the Ohio State game and the UCLA-Boise State game. I am debating whether to have a combo reaction show for both basketball and football that day. So stay tuned for that. The following week, we'll talk UCLA Nova and then all the craziness that the portal is going to bring as something's going to break in UCLA's favor. It's just when is that going to happen? It's a matter of time, not if, just when, fairly soon. And we'll go over defensive coordinators and everything in between. I think you might as well go with Ken Norton Jr., keep it in-house, get a Bruin in there, and hey – Try to get some continuity on the staff, which is not so bad so far, but slowly some pieces are crumbling. You don't want to see a big name go jump ship elsewhere. All right, UCLA women's hoops dip down CSUN in dominant fashion, right? The highlight for that game, the, the big poster you'll see nationally when it comes to UCLA women's hoops, uh, UCLA women's in March Madness, it's the likes that they beat CSUN 111-48, to dominated them up 18 in the – first quarter outscored them by 19 in the second quarter 
14 in the third quarter, and 12 in the fourth quarter. So I scored them by at least 12 points every quarter. That number slowly decreasing mostly in that game and only allowing five first quarter points. And the thing everybody's pointing to is the first career double, excuse me, first career triple double from Kiki Rice, who had 14 points, 10 assists, and 10 rebounds. Dominant. Didn't take that many shots, scored points. Lauren Betts is just saying, hey, I'm going to put up 18 points every game. You hand me the ball. I'm going to make my layups. I'm going to shoot 90% from the field. That's what Lauren Betts is giving you. Angela Dugalik, who hasn't found the three-point stroke just yet, but she shot 60% from the field. Rebounds, assists, 13 points, important. And the Bruins got a lot of love from the bench. You've got London Jones with 19. You had Hawkins with 18. And then you got Christine Iwala, I believe I'm saying that right, 10 points. Six Bruins in double figures. And that means, hey, who did I not say there? Charisma Osborne, a quiet game with nine points, three of 10 shooting, but still six assists, three rounds. All, all those numbers looking good. But I'm going to be a little crazy here. I'm going to get a little nutty. The, the most impressive thing, in my opinion, for Kiki Rice in that game was not a triple-double. That is not the thing that jumps out at me. That is not the thing that jumps out at me. Because she almost had a quadruple double. She had seven steals. Seven steals. Like stealing candy from a baby. It was a total of 19 steals for the Bruins. Osborne had four, which normally is a very, very good day. Rice just picked, just, all right, I'm going to go take a take the basketball from you. Almost a quadruple double. And you talk about assist to turnover ratio. She had 10 assists to two turnovers. What about steals to turnover ratio, right? It's one thing about passing the ball and how many of your passes go out of bounds. You just turn it over. What about how many possessions you gain back for your team despite turning it over? She gained seven turnovers. She gained plus five. Think about that. There's assists, turnovers. Steals the turnovers. Plus five in getting the basketball back for the Bruins leading into a dominant points-off turnover rate, 44 points-off turnovers, 64 points in the paint. The Bruins are just running and getting the job done. 38 fast-break points, out-rebounding CSUN, who was just completely, they they just weren't in the same weight class. 8-0 UCLA team that was just dominant and deserves more love coming up in this month of December when the big games are come to town. Got a shout-out for season of Maya Ferguson, 21 points. Hit 6 of 8 from downtown, 7 turnovers. You know Kiki Rice was going after that ball relentlessly as the Bruins forced 24 turnovers. And outside of that Princeton game, any of these teams that have come in pretty close and the Bruins, we think that they're not in the same weight class. The Bruins have made quick work of them from Purdue opening night, Riverside, Bellarmine, Princeton was a scare. The Bruins put away an injury, an injured UConn team dominated Arkansas, got the win against Niagara in the Cayman Islands Classic, dominated CSUN, and now here's a one-two combo, right? A ranked Florida State team across the country, early morning game, noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. your body time Pacific, and then you got Ohio State a week later on the road. So you have both the men and the women having key games away from home, either at Ohio State or on the East Coast in a neutral site game where – those can be defining wins for both teams. Ohio State's only loss, at least at the moment, right? One of their biggest losses was just to USC. So UCLA can get that win too. 
beat a ranked Florida State team, breathe a couple days, play Hawaii, have a full week plus off, and then conference play starts when you play USC at home December 30th. A 5 p.m. tip for UCLA to take on Juju Watkins and company. That, your three of the next four UCLA women's basketball games, those, for Corey Close's bunch, are going to define this, not define the season, but that's going to define moving forward what type of contender they are. Because right now they're number two, and people are just throwing love to South Carolina because they're South Carolina. They won a title. They were going, they were supposed to win last year, but Caitlin Clark took them down, and then LSU's gotten all the love, but they've kind of backed off LSU with all the drama in their program for a little bit. UCLA, to prove to the nation that they're true contenders to beat a Stanford, even though they just got walloped by Gonzaga recently, to beat a USC, to compete with the Utahs, all teams who have suffered a loss or two, but are very, very good, beat Florida State away from home, win at Ohio State, wait and hopefully take down Hawaii, but USC comes to town, you play them twice in about three weeks, two weeks actually, all of a sudden, you you get a you need to win that game at home. We need to pack that arena in, in Poly Pavilion, and then hey, that's going to decide. You go to Colorado, you go to Utah. Middle of January, we're going to find out how good this team is. What type of team this UCLA team is? Really quickly, and I hope Charisma Osborne steps up. Not that I've found anything wrong with her play so far, but that's a time when your senior, your super senior, who comes back needs to get buckets and show the young freshman across town who's the real star in this sport in the city of L.A. Now, Juju's a really great basketball player. Don't get me wrong. But Charisma Osborne would like to see not a 3 for 10. I want to see a 10 for 15, put up 30 points, and shut up those Trojans across town. All right? Let's go, UCLA. You got this. Kick some butt. Beat the Knolls. And let's go, Bruins. All right? Hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You. C-L-A, U-C-L-A, fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked on UCLA. Zach signing off. Go Bruins.